Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Comedian Alonzo Bowden's wit and social commentary is well known to his stand-up fans and to listeners of NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where he is a regular panel member. Alonzo is also an enthusiastic jazz fan and has been host to many jazz concerts and interviews as part of various jazz-themed cruises, which has given him a chance to not only hear his beloved music, but to become friends with many jazz musicians, a happy circumstance he mentioned throughout our conversation. Alonzo feels there is a deep connection between jazz and comedy and talked to me about his passion for both. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I watched Alonzo Bowden do a streaming talk show the night before our jazz-inspired conversation and asked about his transition to doing this sort of thing without a live audience in front of him. We had to learn that. And when I say we, I mean we comics. Uh, I took to it quicker than many. Uh, I might even say quicker than most because back in April, right, when the world first shut down, the first thing that happened was the Laugh Factory in Hollywood, my home club. Uh, Jamie Masada, the owner, said, hey, we're going to do some streaming shows. Come down to the club. You get on stage. You do it. But there's no audience. There's no one there. There's a tech guy and two other comics who are doing the show. So it was easier there because I'm so used to that room. I could actually pretend there was an audience. And then the Zoom shows started, you know, Nowhere Comedy Club and others. And I liken it to doing radio. Um, you know, as a comic for promo, we do morning radio. Like you, you get up and you're on the morning zoo Friday morning. And when you do that, you're doing jokes to the ether, right? You, I mean, you have a couple of people in the booth. <laughs> But you never know who's listening on the radio. So I just sort of use that experience because I just realized like, hey, we're not going to get to work live for X amount of time. And, and I don't have what we call mailbox money. See, I got friends with TV shows and residuals and they don't have to work. They just go to the mailbox and get a check. I don't have mailbox money, so I got to hustle. People talk about the audience. People who aren't in the business talk about the audience relationship, but they don't really know what we know, the exact thing about timing and even a great story that's hit every single time has a timing to it. You know if it's a small audience, a big audience, that it's going to be different. So that it's very different when there's no audience. It's interesting because I've watched it evolve. I've listened. I'm a big fan of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And I've, I've listened to you all evolve. Just talk a little bit because I'm always thinking of our listeners who maybe are well, inspiring. Uh, you know, you know even, it's an acting exercise in its own way. It is. Even Wait, Wait is easier because we're talking to each other. We're on a Zoom, so there's four of us, five of us there, you know, uh, Peter, the host, Bill, the announcer, and the three uh, performers. So we're, we're actually talking to each other. Now, we don't have the same, I call the laughter the music. That's the music of the show. 
And that's what gives you the timing and everything else. We don't have it the same as having a crowd. And they sweeten it. They add crowd laughs, which sounds better on radio. But it's very funny to us to listen to something you know was silent and now (laughs) hear laughter. But, uh, you know, it's timing was the, the part I had to get used to. For me as a comic, we're used to laughs at a certain point. And when the laughs aren't there, you keep talking and then you realize you're going too fast. So I had to learn to slow down, to stop, to leave that little gap because hopefully people are laughing at home and that's filling that in. And I say that hopefully because new material this year, 2020, right? 2020 is the aberration. 2020 is the year that we'll all remember. And in five years, we're all going to exaggerate how tough it was, but it's still, (laughs) oh man, I made it through 2020. You know, I didn't have any toilet paper from April to July. I had leaves. Uh I had leaves in 2020. But um, one of the things you learn is, like I said, you have to slow down and, and we don't get to test new material. Normally, I'm always at clubs around LA, the Laugh Factory and improv and wherever else. And I'm working new material constantly. Well, with Zoom shows, you test it in the show. You're actually doing it for the first time during that Zoom show because there is no, you know, open mic testing Zoom show. So that that's another difference. I wish I had the confidence of a bad comic, you know, See, to bad comics, it's never the audience. And they just plow through with no one laughing. I wish I had that. I don't have that confidence. And the the other thing, and I've talked to musicians, you know, through this, what they, it's funny, they're now feeling what I live, which is performing alone, because they're used to being in the band, in the group. And now they have to do it on their own because they said when they tried to perform through Zoom or any virtual platform, there's a little bit of delay between the instruments, so it doesn't work for them. But one thing that they do uh, that that I never get to do is they practice alone in studio. See, as a comic, and I joke with them about that, like, I don't get to, to practice at home and, you know, looking in the mirror. That does me no good. I always practice in front of people. So now we're kind of getting a taste of each other's lives. Davis, a favorite of my guest, comedian Alonzo Bowden. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking to Alonzo about the challenge of not being able to do live shows during the pandemic and having a place to try out material. I never learned that lesson uh, of do it somewhere small. Like, 
I, my favorite joke is always my newest joke. And I've opened, I've opened TV sets with a new joke and people are like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, that's the fun. That's the <laughs> leaping with no net, you know? And, uh... and I do, I love that because I love the creativity of it. It doesn't always work, but you know, I've, I've kind of developed a sense of what's funny. Um, and, and I have been doing some live shows. I went from March 14th to July 3rd, which is the longest in my career without getting on stage live. But I did get on stage July 3rd. I did like 10 minutes a guest spot. And it was like being able to breathe again. Where it was, was it? Su- it was at the Comedy Store in La Jolla in San Diego. You know, mm-hmm. over the summer, places were not a lot, but a few places were opening and they were doing the social distancing and that people would wear the mask coming in. Then you'd sit at your table. You could take your mask off to drink or whatever. And, you know, the crowds were half size at most. But it was just fun to get that creativity, energy, that creative energy that comes with a live audience. And now everything's shut down again. So, you know, I just had my last January gig canceled. And that's okay because this is part of the creativity. We we have to make this work. I mean, the what's the other choice to sit home and be mad, you know, <laughs> that I can't work? Like like okay, well, after a while, you can't do that anymore. So you know, it is uh, creativity. It's a new form of creativity to find a way to perform. And when we do get on stage, the audiences also appreciate it. See, you know what you said about being professional. The great thing, and I found it right away, the audience was so happy to have it, they they laughed at the mistakes. They mm. Because I, every comic I know forgot part of his or her act. And we'd be on stage, we'd be like, how does that go? What? And the, the audience is laughing because they, they know. It's like, hey, I'm a bit rusty right now. But no, really, man, I love, I love being a comic, but I'm telling you, it's never been never been this difficult because like i know my job i know what my job is as a comic we all have the same job our job as comedians is to somehow create a reality funnier than the reality we live in and that is impossible <laughs> it can no longer be done every day i just turn on the news i'm like damn you win again i can't compete with you guys just look at the series of idiotic scandals we've had just this year. Don't even go back. Just this year. Huh? Rich white people paying to get their dumbass kids into college. I don't know about you. I heard about this. I laughed my ass off. I was like, first of all, I better not hear another word about affirmative action. This is affirmative action for dumb, rich, white kids. One family, they paid $6 million dollars to get their dumbass kid in the college. And I was like, just give the kid six million dollars. Something I was fascinated that you sent me when I asked you about some of your favorite music, you said that it took you a while to appreciate Miles and Miles Davis. I want you to talk about that. So we're all told how genius Miles is and Miles changed music and Miles... You know, and all of that is true. But not being a musician, I didn't really understand what people were talking about. I didn't hear it, you know. And then listening to it over and over, even 
even Kind of Blue, right, which is everyone's favorite jazz record. And the jazz record, everyone knows people who know nothing about jazz, whatever. They know Kind of Blue. And it's one of those things that people, yeah, Kind of Blue. Kind of, but but when you listen to it over and, and then you start hearing it, then you're like, oh, my God, this is this is amazing. Musicians would talk about the the space in between, and then suddenly you're like, "Yeah, he's not pushing it. He's not forcing. It's happening." And and then you realize, you know, reading about it, how quickly they recorded it, like how short the sessions, just a few days, they did this, and you're like, "This is unreal." And then to listen to the other music he did, right? To listen to the the fusion era. You know, and then to listen, and um, Robert Glasper and I were talking about this, you know, at the end, Miles was doing hip hop, you know, and you, you're like, wow, he did, like, he did all of this, you know, and, and that's when you, I realized, you know, how, how amazing uh, he is as a musician. And, you know, you know, I liken it to uh, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was the same way. And, and guitar players who are honest, right, will tell you that when Jimmy was doing it, they didn't even realize what he was doing. And then years later, it was like, wow, what, you know, because it took that long for the world to catch up.
Miles Davis on All Blues from the CD Kind of Blue. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, comedian Alonzo Bowden, took a while to appreciate Miles' music and feels that happens often with people who are ahead of their time. The same thing happens in comedy, right? You have someone like Andy Kaufman, like... We didn't even know what the joke was when he was doing it. And then later you realized the whole thing was a joke. The <laughs> whole thing was a joke, yeah. you know. And, and that's, that's, what, uh, that's a brilliance that artists do. Um, Dave Chappelle is doing it right now. Dave is in comedy working on the next level where he's become this brilliant social commentator and the funny is is incidental in what he's talking about what he's talking about is absolutely true but he can also shift and be the funniest guy at any time you know so so there are certain people like that certain certain artists like that that the rest of us strive to i think achieve but you need to be doing it to understand how difficult it is mm. right the, the greatest of anything is making it look easy, mm -hmm. you know? So, so, it, and, and then I've also heard, you know, being friends with Marcus Miller, who did a lot of work with Miles and stuff like that, you hear these stories that are just hilarious, you know? Um, and that adds to it, that, that adds to both the lore and the, the lore and the understanding. When you talk about Miles Davis and that it took you a while I love that you gave it a while. That's what a lot of people don't do with all kinds of art. I like that something that didn't immediately grab you, that you kept going back to it and giving it a chance because you figured if so many people liked it, there was something there that maybe you were missing. Well, I, um, I grew up liking jazz. I was around it, and that was one thing. So, you know... Um, and, and forgive me for keep referring to Marcus, but Marcus is like my, he's a good, he's become a good friend over the years, but I've also learned a ton from him. And then we just talk. So one of the things he talked about when he started, see, I'm also a huge Stanley fan, huge fan of Stanley Clark. And Marcus said, yeah, man, I played fusion. He said, and then I was doing a show and I looked in the audience and it was all men. And I said, I ain't pay playing this. I want to meet some women. So he went to more <laughs> to the funk and R&B thing. But, but fusion, which I love, right, is a very driven, loud, fast, you know, kind of music. And a lot of people don't get it. And, and uh, I had a girlfriend and I said, listen, this is going to sound like noise to you. I said, but try to listen to each instrument. Try to listen to what that musician's doing. And you'll see they have, it's amazing what they're doing. Like if you listen to Return to Forever, and you listen to what Stanley's doing on the bass or what Al is doing on the guitar or, or listen to Weather Report and listen to Wayne Shorter. And I'm breaking it down like this for her. And th then she was like, wow. Like, then, then they're like, that's amazing. And, you know, all music comes from jazz, right? Everything comes from jazz. And what's surprising is how many musicians love jazz. You know, there's a lot of musicians, as you know this, a lot of people don't, in other genres, they do that to make money, but they love playing jazz. You know, I met John Mayer 
And John Mayer's a big comedy fan. And he was hanging out at comedy clubs. And I met him and we were talking. And he was talking to me about playing with Chick Corea. Now, most people would not guess that John Mayer plays with Chick Corea. And in my head, I'm like, wow, you're good enough to play with Chick Corea because I'm used to, you know, <laughs> pop star John Mayer and, you know, to play with Chick and play on that level. So jazz is such a universal thing. Yeah, people and and we also have, you know, I say we like I'm in the world. There are also the jazz snobs, right? The jazz police who feel it's their job to act like this music is unattainable and you can't understand it because you're not one of us. And, and so on. I, I had that experience. We were on, we were doing the jazz cruise. And the first time I did the jazz cruise versus the smooth jazz cruise and other cruise, um, Michael Lazaroff, the, the man who runs it said, I don't know how this crowd's going to be with comedy, you know, because they're, a lot of them are those, you know, jazz snobs for, for lack of a better term. And I got them and, and they started laughing. And I was like, yeah, I, you guys sit up there and you know who produced and arranged every, you know, jazz standard from the 1940s. But I saw you tapping your feet when Marcus was playing Slipping in the Darkness. Don't fool me. <laughs> music is music. Great music is great music. Sometimes, you know, a guy like uh, I, I don't, Christian McBride, will just go into some James Brown funk. And that same crowd is partying the way everyone does to James Brown funk. So, you know, it's like you slow down on your jazz snobbery. And, it, you know, it. it's some of it you have to work at listening to. And then other parts of it are just super accessible. Report on Birdland, a favorite of my guest Alonzo Bowden. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You mentioned Robert Glasper, so talk about his music. I love Glasper, um, and, and I'm so happy that we're friends. Uh, I became a fan of Robert Glasper. I was just flipping channels randomly, and he was on a Tonight Show. And he was playing the, so he has two, basically two bands, the trio and the experience. And the experience is all the electric, electronic, uh, R&B, hip hop and everything else. So he's doing this crazy electronic version of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I was like, whoa, this is like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so, 
You know, the great thing about now, if people ask me how I find musicians, I hear something I like. I'm going to Google. I want to know who this is. And then I start seeing lists of records and I started listening to his records. And, and I love both. I, I actually wish he would play more with the trio because that's where his piano talent comes out. But but I get it on both sides. So, I, yeah, I just started listening to him and we ran into each other. I mean, you want to talk about randomly coming out of the bathroom at the Hollywood Bowl. And I look over and I'm like, you're Robert Glasper. He's like, what's up? And we started talking and we've become friends since. And uh, yeah, and was I he loved, performing that he was performing at uh, the Hollywood Bowl? I'm trying to remember. No, I don't remember who was performing. But well, no, that is random. You he know, wasn't he just... performing. He was there. And wow. I don't remember whose show it was. But um, yeah, we, we, we hit it off. And then we, you know, the Blue Note Jazz Cruises, he was on there and we started hanging out. But the great thing about Robert Glasper is he's the most open guy. So once you meet him, you're, you're welcome in his world. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. 
For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations. So please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. I'm talking with comedian Alonzo Bowden. Something that I was fascinated with uh, in your work and the way you do it is, and I don't know that you always do it, but the things that I've seen and I really enjoy it is you will go back and forth you will say well now it's the serious stuff you're talking about more topical issues and things like that and you'll say okay we're going to lighten it up and you go in another and any performer knows that it's all about pacing one of the things that jazz musicians we we laugh about it on when we're at festivals because you see people in all these combinations that they might not be in and some people are magnificent musicians and terrible band leaders you know, and they put a set together and every tempo is wrong and, you know, they mm-hmm. just can't do it. And uh, and it's kind of fascinating to watch it happen. So I really am impressed with that with you because you actually say I'm going to do it. You cue the audience. You say, here we go down this place. And, and it's really wonderful. Is that something that you've always done? Talk about that, just that presentation. I, I actually learned that from one of my comedy heroes, Louis Black. Oh, really? So Lou, uh, to your listeners, if they don't know, Lou does these rants, brilliant political comic, uh, topical comic, and so on. So what I noticed with Lou was if he wants to talk about someone you don't know, like it might be an obscure congressperson said something, he's going to tell you who that is. And, and he's going to do that joke. Then he's going to do some completely non-related, stupid thing about, you know, being on the subway, right? And I was talking, and he said, listen, you can't make them think for too long. He said, they can't think for 45 minutes. They'll get tired. So you got to give them breaks with the stupid stuff so they can just laugh. And then you can get back to something that's going to make them think again. And Stephen Wright, if you remember Stephen Wright, and to your to again to your listeners, look up Stephen Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He was the most cerebral comic. It was all deadpan. He would do a joke like, I just got a full body tattoo of myself, only taller. <laughs> like that that's a Stephen Wright joke. And he was a huge comic in the eighties. And the comics who were around then, they told me they said Oh, he couldn't do more than 20 minutes because the audience would get tired mm. because his stuff was so subtle and cerebral. So the the switching back and forth I, I got from Lou, like that note, like they can't think for 45 minutes. And then it just became funny to me to tell him like, OK, we're going to lighten up. OK, now we're back to some heavy stuff. So, yeah, so I could go from yoga pants to racism, you know, and, <laughs> and they would they'll ride along with me. I never noticed this before. But ever since I've noticed it, it's kind of bothered me. All right? June 
is Gay Pride Month. Everyone aware of that? Yeah. You know, June Gay Pride. February is Black History Month. Yeah. How did they get a longer month than us? Right? I'm not anti-gay. I'm just saying it seems to me we have earned a better month. I don't want to take their month away. I'm just thinking, like, because let's be honest, February is a bullshit month, right? Right? It's cold and wet. Nobody's happy in February. And June is fantastic. It's warm. Flowers are blooming. School let out. I'm like, what the hell? Can't we get July? My guest, comedian Alonzo Bowden, on stage. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Alonzo and I discussed pacing a performance and working with how much an audience can take of certain material. It's not just a comedy thing, because I've heard musicians to push them and, and let them be uncomfortable. A mm. little, being a little uncomfortable is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you, you, you learn watching the masters. So uh, I got to open for George Carlin once. And and it was at a club in, in um, Hermosa Beach, Comedy Magic Club, seats about 300 people. And he was doing some material, and I, I not fit for radio, so I can't tell you the material <laughs> he was doing. But he said, he acknowledged, he said, yeah, you guys aren't laughing. He said, because you can all see each other. He said, when I do this in Vegas, in a 2,000-seat hall, and the whole place is dark, you're all going to laugh. He said, but now you can see each other's faces, so you're nervous to laugh about this. And I love that he called him out. And when he did, they started laughing because it was true. Uh, but there are times, you know, um, David Sanborn, he plays these beautiful ballads. And I've asked him, and he's like, hmm. I don't do them live. He's like, I, he's like the really deep, you know, feeling. He said, I just don't think they're going to get it. And it's like, Dave, are you kidding? Like, they're going to love it. But that's his his personal thing, personal experience. So I, um, I appreciate the emotion of music. You know, music, that's something that music does that comedy can't do is capture emotion. So mm-hmm. if you have a piece of music that you can create an emotion, then I want you to do it. And and if some people are uncomfortable, well, too bad. You talk about the jazz cruises and which you've done so many. Do you find that the audiences are different for you than they are off of a ship, off of a, yeah, that a jazz audience is different? Yes. Well, in what way? the show is different. The show is different because when you come see me in a club, it's a comedy club and you're coming to see me. I can push it a lot farther. That's what that's the difference. I push it a lot farther. When I do the jazz cruises, I joke more about the shared experience of the cruise. I joke about the musicians. Um, I joke about the shows. You know, we might be joking about a show you saw earlier that night or the day before. Um, I'll do some of my material, uh, what's going on in the news, etc., but when you're on, a, you know, you're on vacation, you know, and it's like we're not I'm not going to hammer you over some uh, ridiculous topical thing. So I do change it up in that sense. Um, I also work. I tend to work clean on the cruise uh, PG at most. 
And and I that's a choice. It, I have the freedom. One of the great things about these cruises, it's not like doing a Disney cruise where they're like, if you say, damn, we stop the boat and throw you off of it. Right. But but again, I'm not pushing it as far because of the um, because I'm aware of the situation. But at the same time, the great thing about a jazz audience is they're intelligent and aware people, as we like to say, these are grown folks. <laughs> these are grown folks these are you know so that's nice because when i do talk about uh topical things and and stuff like that you know you can't do jokes about health care at a college because they don't have health insurance and they're all 20 years old and in perfect health right you know so right no it's different it's different so you you know i tend to adjust but and the other thing I love about the jazz audience is the they appreciate the creativity. I improv entire shows. I'll do the whole show in crowd work, just having fun. And they love that because they know it's going to be, you know, just, just fun in the moment, just like listening to jazz. One of the best moments for me, uh, this was like my first or second cruise, Patty Austin was on. And she's sitting up above in a box, you know, and I'm just clowning with the audience and going back and forth. And she yelled, that's jazz. What you're doing right now, that is jazz. And and that felt great to me because it was like, wow, you know, this is very cool. You brought up earlier uh, the being at the Hollywood Bowl and you wanted to play some Al Jarreau, which made me happy because I saw Al Jarreau. It was one of the first things I saw when I was really young at the Hollywood Bowl. And I remember the whole concert perfectly because I was so swept away by it. So talk about Al Jarreau. Well, he's one of those people. There have been a few people that I've met that I had to consciously not lose it. Right? Because <laughs> this is Al Jarreau. You, you know, this is this is you're meeting. I'm meeting royalty at this moment, and he he was a super nice guy. But but you just want to say like, do you even do you know who you are? You're Al Jarreau. <laughs> His talent was the most amazing, mind blowing thing. What he could do with his voice was beyond anything you could could imagine. And it was, you know, his pop era in the 80s. It's funny because people heard those hits and those were good songs. But when you listen to him do jazz, when you listen to him do Take Five. Back to the 
パンダパンダのロバロルルセルポンのパンダパンダのロバロルルトタタタタタパーパンパラーパラロルダーベビーデルバンダパンダパンダのロバロルルAl Jarreau on Dave Brubeck's composition Take Five, a favorite of my guest, comedian Alonzo Bowden. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So I saw Diane Reeves in concert、uh, the year Al Jarreau passed away. And she said, You know, I want to sing something for a friend of mine. And the first time I heard him, he changed my view of music. And she's talking about Al Jarreau. And then she starts singing Al Jarreau. And, and this is Diane Reeves. And you just, so, you know, when you, see, when you see someone like Diane Reeves give this much praise to Al Jarreau, even if you don't know who he is, now you're like, oh my God. You know? so, so, and then listening to her do it, and you're like, oh, so it's not just me. Like everyone, you know, and of course everyone knows how great he was. Uh, the funniest story I heard about Al Jarreau was Marcus said he was in a session, and I forget who it was, and I don't want to insult anyone by saying a name, but he said it, it was a drummer, and the drummer didn't know Al Jarreau did jazz because Mark, this was in like the early 90s after Al Jarreau had done all this pop stuff in the 80s. And he was like, Can he sing jazz? And Marcus <laughs> just like looked at him. And Marcus just played something, and the guy was like, never mind. You know, but, but, but it is true. Like, I'll tell you, you know who I've learned this about? You know who I've been? Shaka Khan.、Uh. I didn't know Shaka Khan sang so much jazz. And now, well, it's 2020, and I'm listening to jazz that she sang in the 80s. That I didn't even know about because that was, you know, Rufus and Shaka Khan and all of this. And I didn't know she was kicking back and singing with Stanley Clark. And, and you know, wow, wow. So <laughs> there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to Isn't learn. Isn't that exciting? I love, that. I love That's it. That's what's so、I、great. 
quarter to three There's no one in the place Except you and me So set em up, Joe I've got a little story You ought to know We're drinking, my friend Till the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby And one more for the road I've got the routine So drop another nickel in the machine I'm feeling so bad I wish you'd make the music Dreamy and sad Could tell you a lot But you've gotta be True to your code Make it one Diane Reeves on One for My Baby. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is comedian Alonzo Bowden. The first time I did The Tonight Show, um, Jay Leno is super nice. He's a great guy. And my girlfriend at the time, you know, where Jay comes to the green room before the show and talks to you. And he was telling my girlfriend, he said, well, just never forget. He said, when you're a comic, everything comes from your act. He said, everything. He said, you eat because of your act. You pay your for your house because of your act. You're rel-. He said, everything, your act is everything. And and it was it was funny because it was like she needed to hear it from someone else. Mm. She needed to hear it from this guy who's the, you know, has a tonight show and millions of dollars and this and that, that because I used to tell her I had a thing. I was like, okay, I'm going into work mode. And when I'm in work mode, I'm not ignoring you or anything. This is just, I'm in a different space now. And, and this, this dominates everything when I'm here, this, you know, and, and you know, it. any performer, anybody who, creates some kind of art i think you get into that space and it's hard for people who don't do it to understand this has nothing to do with you this is just somewhere i go you know um so yeah it i've never been married um through no fault of women it's on me i'll i'll take that one (laughs) get to a certain point you realize well it can't be all of them i must be the common denominator but I admire uh, spouses who get it, and and I've seen, and I don't, I can't explain it, but I know jazz musicians who have some of the most amazing wives 
that really get it. And they, they let them do what they do and they build this life together. And it fascinates me. So I so admire your continuing involvement with what's happening today because it's so relentless and can get depressing. And I think that for thoughtful people, my belief is it's incumbent on us to continue having these conversations. And you are a shining example of that. But you make your living as a comic. And I'm curious how you balance that and how you continue to be inspired to be funny and find material when there's so much pounding of the various things going on in the world. Speak to that. Yeah. Part of it is what I call the gift. And that's the part that I can't explain. And that's the part that when I see a news story, I pull out what's funny about that story. People, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know it, but it shines to me out of the story. And I don't know how you don't see it, but how ridiculous this is. The other thing is, and this is something I love about comedy and uh, my tattoos are all jesters because the jester was the only guy who could speak truth to power. The jester could, he was the only person allowed to make fun of the king. And if it wasn't funny, off with his head. And I like that. I like the, I want the stakes to be that high. But as a comic, you know, we're the, we're the last ones to tell the truth, especially now because the news, and again, this is getting into being older. I'm old enough to remember when the news was the news. And the news has become entertainment, um, what do they call it, edutainment. Uh, just, it's, it's, there's definitely bias to different news stories. One, one side being, I'll say it, the right being much more biased than the left, but they still both have a bias. Comics are the last ones that we got no skin in the game. We don't like anybody. <laughs> we will call BS on anybody whenever they say it. Listen, I, you know, if you're if you're lying, we're going to call you a liar. We're not going to say you misspoke. We're not going to say you spoke in error. We're not going to say you didn't. You, no, you're a liar. Don't come to me. You know, you know, so I love that about being a comic. And during this pandemic, yeah, we're the ones. We, we know how serious it is, but we're also, we're going to try to give you a break sometimes. And then other times we're going to call BS when there's BS. We're going to, you know, we're not going to let you get away with it. We don't want you to think that we didn't hear you. You know, we heard you. We heard you. And, and at the same time, you know, like, okay, the Trump era, you know, people talk to comedy. Oh, you guys got to love it. Like, no, because it becomes the same thing day after day. And as a comic, there's no creativity to that. There's nothing new. So now the, the challenge is finding something else to talk about, finding something funnier. You talk about wait, 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 came up with a rule that they would only do one Trump joke at the beginning of the show. Then don't mention it again because it becomes repetitive and and so on and you know when they talk about comedy i'm like oh no barack obama was much better for comics because that was a challenge it was hard it's hard to make fun of a guy who does nothing wrong he, <laughs> he does nothing wrong he's, and he's smarter funny. than you he's funny he's got a great family his wife is brilliant what would you please slip can you stumble 
Can you stumble going up the stairs getting on the airplane? No, he plays basketball. He's graceful. Enough with you. Enough with you. So those are the kind of things as a comic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my job. My job is finding the funny, but the funny also comes to life. Just like in music, musicians hear things that we don't hear. Uh, when I say we, I mean non-musicians. They, they hear something that we don't hear. And and it is they can they can make that work. They can feel something. And you know, I always say, like, how do you pick up a horn and 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 blow feelings out of it? How do you pick up an instrument and create a mood? That to me is amazing. It's a different form of communication, you know. Um so I love comedy. It it is it's everything to me. It's everything to me. I, I couldn't imagine not doing it and dealing with this pandemic and being home. Of course, we joke about being home because we're home, too. We're home, too. And we, we are doing our best and we're going as crazy as everyone else, you know. So we we have to laugh about it. And we're going to you know, we're going to laugh. Or we're going to call out Congress when you offer us six hundred dollars. Really? All at once? All at once? Six hundred. Wow. <laughs> That wow, was my well, thing. I thought when everyone was complaining about the extra money and how terrible it was because people were making more than they make at McDonald's or something, I thought, and God forbid that these people get a little extra money, that these people that are working for so little money yeah, well, they, finally you know, get they, some money. They want to do crazy stuff like they want to eat every day. No, I know. And, I know. It's, and, it's and, outrageous. You know, the, these Congress people like that, there's, you know. Do you, do you understand how low their approval rating is? That they're below used car salesmen. No. That's, that's and you know, and no knock against used car salesmen, but you know, listen, listen. When the porn star has sex with the politician, I look at the porn star and I'm like, do you not have any respect for yourself? How could you be in? And and I have no problem with that if you work in the adult industry. Like that's your work is what you do. But to but a politician I know draw really, a line somewhere. Exactly. You could do better. You could do better. Your parents would not be happy at all about uh, you being around. Being, ugh. Ugh. Oh, Alonzo, this has been so much fun. Thank you, thank you for agreeing to doing this and taking the time. I really, I'm a big fan, so thank you. And thanks for being such an advocate for jazz. We'd both be in trouble with Lee if we hadn't done this. That's true. Lee Mergner. So a shout out to Lee Mergner as our matchmaker. Absolutely. uh, Jazz is creativity, and that's the beauty of it. And, you know... From Glasper to Marcus to, to George to Layla to, you know, to Al Jarota and everyone I named and, and a, a million more. I mean, Dave Sanborn, who's been around forever. A lot of people don't know this, but when you see that that old picture from the um, Revolutionary War, that was Sanborn on fight. <laughs> Sanborn was playing fight. That's him. Sanborn has been around forever and is going to outlive us all. And I, I have learned so much him. today. I didn't oh, yeah. know yeah, that. that you have really helped me. That was Sanborn on Fife. Thank you for that, Alonzo. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I had a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with Alonzo Bowden. 
I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another celebrated creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms or at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and & Sons and Jazz Times. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stride Queen. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com or jazzinspired.com. Mm-hmm.